0: Sure.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Mark Middleton, along with Bill Schaefer, and you are just in time for what we think might be one of the most interesting hours on radio. Of course, it's called Growing Boulder, and what you're about to hear is an entirely new narrative on aging, one that proves to you that age is not a disease. It's an amazing opportunity that we should all be grateful for, proud to achieve, and anxious to celebrate, and that's what we're going to do right here right now.
2: Man, in that 15 seconds you proved it's the most interesting <laughs> show on the radio. You don't hear that kind of talk anywhere else. And for example, on today's program, folks, you're going to get a glimpse of what just might be the secret to living a long and active life from a group of women from their 70s into their 90s who sure seem to have discovered it. Also, you'll meet a fascinating woman who in her 60s not only created her own line of fashion, but modeled the clothes herself. And her goal is to help you be bold in fashion. But first, he's the creator of the NBC hit show Council of Dads. Now he's taking on a new challenge, helping point out a different way for us to be able to push through our toughest challenges. Bruce filers standing by with some important advice on surviving our own personal life quakes. Ordinary people living extraordinary lives. It's time for Growing Bolder. <music> Man, we have been living through some strange times, haven't we? From pandemic to social upheaval to political division. It seems like somebody flipped a switch to turn on all these unexpected and unprecedented changes. Well, our next guest has, a, has an interesting way to describe those. He calls them lifequakes. And not only did he come up with a name for it, he's really been delving into how people handle their own personal lifequakes because he's visited hundreds of people. Because he believes that we can all learn how to deal with ours by how other people deal with theirs. He's a New York Times bestselling author. All of his books are amazing, like The Secrets of Happy Families, Council of Dads, which, as you know, became a hit TV show. And his latest book could not have come out at a better time. It's called Life is in the Transitions, Mastering Change at Any Age. Let's say hi to Bruce Feiler. Bruce, how are you? It's so great to be with you. I've been looking forward to this all day. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's great to get to talk to you. And the first thing I got to ask is, boy, do you have great timing. You, oh, started, you started this book way before anybody had even heard of COVID-19 because it really is probably one of the most relevant issues in any of our lives. What made you focus on dealing with lifequakes?
3: Well, as you mentioned, and you're so, you're just dead right about this, is just that, that we're all going through this lifequake right now, right? And a lifequake is something that's kind of high on the Richter scale of consequences and has aftershocks that last for years. And I started writing about lifequakes because I went through one myself and I just got walloped by life. I got cancer. I almost went bankrupt. My dad, who has Parkinson's, tried to take his own life. And there really wasn't a book that I could find for how to deal with these periods when life seems to be coming at us from all sorts of directions. So I, head out, I headed out on this journey, crisscrossing the country, collecting life stories of Americans in all 50 states, people who lost limbs, lost homes, two-time cancer survivor who climbed Mount Everest, a high school dropout who earned a PhD and helps non-traditional students, military veterans who lost limbs. And what I was trying to figure out, and I then had a team of 12 people, and we combed through these stories looking for patterns and takeaways that could help all of us in times of change. And as you said, I've been working on this for five years, and then lo and behold, my book, Life is in the Transitions, comes out when the entire planet is going through a lifequake
2: at the same time. Yeah, it really is fascinating. And this topic hits home because it may be the only thing that all of us humans have in common no matter where we live, where we're born, how we grow up, what we do, we are all going to face life-changing obstacles. And right. I think in the past, Bruce, we all have tried to just act like it was never going to happen. But books like yours start to make us think, is it good to prepare for those things in advance? And how in the world do you do that? Well, you know, as you know, actually, one of the trap
3: doors, if I can just geek out on this for topic for a second, that really... Opened this whole book up for me was realizing that actually every culture has kind of a, a, a set shape that they think life will follow. In the ancient world, they thought life was a cycle. In the Middle Ages, they thought life peaked at middle age and then it was straight downhill. No new love at 40 or a new venture at 50 or, you know, and uh, relocating at 60. And then for the 20th century, we were, we were told, don't worry, science and technology and, you know, uh, industrial revolution, lives are going to go straight along. We're going to have a few crises at birthdays that end in zero, like the midlife crisis at 40. This all turns out to be bunk. Like these changes happen whenever. In in the pandemic we're in now, like you may be 40 and you may have the midlife crisis that, that we were told, but you may be 27 and a half and you're in a crisis or 67 and a half and you're in a crisis. And my data show we're going to have three to five of these lifequakes in our lives. The average length is four, five, or six years. That means half- Of our adult lives we spend in transition. And yet this is the first new book about transitions in 40 years. This is the first new model. And so, yes, we have to realize our lives are nonlinear. That means more transitions. And I've identified like a toolkit that can help you deal with it, whatever area of life you're dealing with, and whatever time of life you're dealing with.
2: Well, I, it's like a life preserver for all of us as we go through oh, these things. That. And yet, it, don't you think it seems like once we hit 50, 60, 70, these lifequakes, they, they tend to become a little more seismic. You know, we deal with disease and death and, and loss of identity, and maybe we start to become more isolated in our lives. Did you find that in talking with people that that it is more difficult as we get older? And are there ways to to help get through that?
3: Well, that's a very interesting question. I I, I have two reactions to that. On the one hand, I would say that this idea that life is coming at us fast, that Xers understand it more than boomers and millennials more than Xers. So if you look at the data, like millennials, they're going to have 12.7 jobs, 11.2 moves like they're going to do things out of order, like they're going to have children before they get married or or move to a new city without a job. Right. Or they understand, like I heard this fascinating statistic recently that half the jobs that my children at 15 are going to have haven't even been invented yet because of technology, AI and the like. So I think that for boomers, you go through these changes but I think they hit us harder. I was born in 1964 because we are still haunted by the ghost of linearity. So we still, like, we still have that narrative in our head that it's going to be straightforward because one of the big revelations of this whole process was that I thought at the beginning that if you're dealing with a medical crisis, one toolkit. If you're dealing with a work crisis, another roadmap. If you're dealing with, a, you know, with an identity crisis, something different. I was just flat wrong. It turns out, no matter what you're dealing with, that the roadmap, the phases, the tools that I outline here, and life is in the transitions, they really apply whatever you're going through.
2: I don't know what you found with the people that you talk to, but many people I've talked to say that the, the thing that bugs them the most is the people that tell them, oh, you'll be so much stronger oh, because maybe. of this challenge that you're going through in the long run, are you that guy? Is, no, that, that, is guy. that your message?
3: No, I'm, I'm, I'm here saying it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be phases that you're good at and you're bad at. And I'm going to help you figure it out. So let's just talk about that. Like, So here's what I know for sure. What I know for sure is that the life quake can be voluntary or involuntary. Okay, you can choose it or it chooses you. But that, you, that, the life, that the life transition must be voluntary. You have to go through it. And that once you're there, you either feel like chaotic, like you have to do everything at once. Or you feel sluggish and stuck in place. and like, you're never going to get through it. So what I have figured out is that people have what I call a transition superpower. Like everyone's good at one of the three phases and they're bad. So what are the three phases? There's the long goodbye where you have to say goodbye to the old you. There's this messy middle where you have to shed certain habits and begin new ones and then there's this new beginning where you have to unveil your new self. So maybe you're good at saying goodbye. I talked to a woman whose mother died at 19. She had three marriages and twice as many jobs. And she said, I underattach to things. I actually am good at saying goodbye. And then I'm bad in the messy middle. I talked to a guy, Rob Adams, who was hired to run the Simon, Glass, Simon Pierce Glass Company in Vermont. He started work a month after the Great Recession. Sales dropped a third in the first month he stuck around way too long he loved being a mentor and a leader he liked the job his family enjoyed new england he'd moved from the midwest and it was way too hard for him to say goodbye once he did he's like i love the messy middle like i'm a consultant like i made lists and i i talk to people and i got advice and then he moved his family to africa and started running a nonprofit. so i'm here to tell you part of it is going to be hard but we're going to find what part of it you're good at we're going to start there and once you, you know, build up some confidence, then we're going to turn the parts that are going to be hard.
2: We're talking with Bruce Feiler, the author of Life is in the Transitions. And one of the, I guess, lifequakes aren't all necessarily bad. I mean, didn't right. you have a huge one when your book, Council of Dads, was picked up and turned into this big NBC series? I mean, that that had to be uh, life-changing.
3: It was an amazing thing. I mean, this all began for me when I got cancer in 2008 and it was the first nonlinear event in my life. I was a new dad. You're not supposed to get cancer at 43. You know, like my parents didn't know how to handle me because like they treat you like I'm 14, but I'm not 14. I'm a parent, but I couldn't parent. So I asked a group of men to form this council of dads. And as you mentioned, all these years later, NBC turned turned it into a primetime series this year. You can see it on Peacock or it streams on Hulu. Um yeah, but to pick up your point, absolutely. 53% of the life quakes that I write about were involuntary. Involuntary, maybe you get fired, you get a diagnosis, your spouse cheats on you. Um, uh, 47% were voluntary. You cheat on your spouse. like You change religions. You d- decide to move. 61% of people I spoke to moved in the course of their um, life transition. I don't know about you, but 61% of the conversations that I'm in now, people are talking about moving um, in the wake of this moment that we're in right now. And it was interesting, but you, since you were talking about the generation, as you said, I'm a boomer uh, nominally, I thought, whoa, 47% of life quakes are voluntary. That's pretty high. The millennials who were, you know, coding these stories for me, these computer scientists and poets and English majors, they're like, whoa, 53% are involuntary. Like the different reaction was kind of striking. But what we're in now is what I call a collective involuntary life And this it's really the first time in a century like 9-11 came up a couple of times sort of you know natural disasters i talked to a a a woman who was caught in the joplin missouri tornado which of course was the the most devastating in american history at the time and it really affected her faith. she was a preacher and then she had to turn to rituals to get through it so uh what we're in now is the first time in a century that we've all gone through one of these life breaks together but even that's deceptive, because though we're going through it together, the transition that each of us will experience is going to be unique to our particular circumstances. So it's both
2: collective and personal. Th- this, is, this is fascinating stuff, and I know we can keep you forever, but I want to hit you with one more question before we do have to let you go. Can you leave us with a takeaway? Is there, is there some point that you really want us to, to, to go home with?
3: Transitions work. Yeah. You know, life gets us stuck A transition is how we get unstuck. 90% of the people I spoke to said they got through their life transition. So whatever you're going through right now, whether it's work or family or spiritual identity or physical, like I was where you are. I went out and met these people, hundreds of them. They gave me hope, but more important, they gave me practical things that I could do. And so whatever you're struggling with, if you come on this journey with me, you're going to find people just like you who've gone through things you're going to be really happy that you haven't gone through. And you're going to find things you can do tonight, tomorrow, the next week, so that whatever you're struggling with, whatever transition you're in, I'm almost prepared to guarantee you we're going to help you do it a little bit better and a lot more effectively. Like we can get through this together.
2: It's great just knowing that we are not the only ones and we are not the first. What an interesting guy. Man, you need to remember his name. It's Bruce Filer, the author of Life is in the Transitions, helping us kind of get a grasp on how to deal with pretty much whatever the future has in store for all of us. And you can learn more at Bruce Filer. That's F-E-I-L-E-R dot com. Bruce, thanks a million. Up next, how a broke and divorced 60 year old woman went from receptionist to fashion designer to social media sensation. This is Growing Boulder.
0: Support for Growing Boulder provided by.
2: Florida Blue Medicare, official sponsor of the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival this year, offering unique experiences and special activities both in person and virtually. More information at floridablue.com/magic. Check out Growing Boulder TV, airing on public television stations nationwide. Visit growingboulder.com/tv for program listings and where to watch. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton. This is Growing Boulder. We've got a great conversation for you now. This one is from our weekly live program on Facebook. Every Friday morning at 10, this one's with Laura Savini, Mark, and me on Growing Boulder's What's Next. This interview proves it's never too late to follow your dreams
1: her name is Arlinda McIntosh and she truly is one of the most unique creative fashion designers around her own clothing line Sophista Funk, is truly the rare lifestyle brand that actually appeals to women of all ages not easy to do
2: and folks are going to love her story because it's another one of those where she never set out to do it. Yet her designs have been worn by some of the biggest names there are, starting with P. Diddy and Lauren Hill, Mary J. Blige, and Queen Latifah. That's a pretty good list right there.
0: And you know what really gets me about Arlinda is her sales doubled and her reputation just went berserk (laughs) when she, in her 60s, said, hey, I can be the model. And she turned that camera on herself and she became this incredible Instagram influencer. And she is rocking it, not just with her fashions, but with her being the model of her own art. I I love this lady. And she is with us. Our Linda McIntosh is with us live from her home in New Jersey. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You know, Arlinda, one of the things that I love, well, there's a lot of things I love about your fashion, but one is that you um, really integrated the history of your family into one of the pieces, which is the gathering skirt. Could you talk about how
4: that came from your family in North Carolina working in the cotton fields? Well, my mom, I used to watch my mom and her sisters and friends as they worked in the cotton fields. And I particularly remember the. the dresses that they would wear or skirts that they would wear. I would remember seeing them throughout their, like throughout the day, I'd see them in the fields then I'd see them in the kitchen. Then I'd see them going to the marketplace or what have you. But I used to remember seeing their, the the way the sun would shine on the the, the fabrics as they were picking the cottons and, you know, if, if the wind blows, the way the wind would take the cotton in this, it just became like music, you know, to me, it was just beautiful to look at. And watching them use the bottom portion, they would pick up the hem from the bottom of their, you know, the hemline, and they would bring it up to their waist and pin it. I'd watch my mom pin it, and then she, it would become like a pocket. So I, at the, of course, during that time, I just was seeing things. I just remember things. So as I grew into this business, uh, I started using the things that I remember to make it be a fashion statement and the gathering, I named it because that's what I used to always see. They would gather in the cotton fields or my mom would gather. My mom was a, um, uh, minister in the church. So she would always have gathered people in the house, gathering in the living room for various things. Or, you know, we would always, oh my my mom's house was always full of someone else's children as mine was as I grew up and as I became an adult. So it was always about gathering. So I thought, wow, that's a nice name for this skirt with all these little gathers here and it does so much. So we um, named it on Instagram. The hashtag is one skirt, endless possibilities, because it's kind of like us, the one people
1: each, but it's so many possibilities to us all. How do you describe what you do? I mean, what are you going for when you create fashion? What separates what you do from others? What's your trademark? (laughs) Good question.
4: I don't, I didn't set out to try to do anything. I just do what I like. I like, and and I'm showing, I showed the gathering skirt because it's our most popular and it's, we have five different lengths and it does so many things, but I never set out to say, oh, I'm going to do this. And this is my target market and what have you. Actually, when people ask me, I won't say it here. When people ask me, well, who's your target market? I say, well, anyone with a bottom. Yeah. I, want a <laughs> so I don't say bottom, but you know, it's just about doing things that make me feel good. And I put them out there and every, from as you said before, every age, every race, every size, body type, It it fits. I don't I just don't know limits when it comes to fashion. To me, it's just clothes, you know, it's all just fabric. We just harmless fabric that we do things to, we manipulate it and let it live.
2: Arlene, Mm -hmm. you said something in that answer that that really struck me is that you really hadn't intended Mm -hmm. to do this. And that is the key, isn't it? I mean we, we all daydream about maybe creating a product or starting a business or or, or expressing ourselves, but we stop from doing it because we're too scared. What was it that pushed you to say, you know what, I- I'm going to give this a shot?
4: Well, I was married at 19 and on the way to divorce by like 20. And, as and, 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 you know, over the years, we finally divorced. But I came home from lunch one day to surprise my husband because he was such a cutie and I wanted to go and surprise him. But he had surprised me. He had left. So I I had to get back to work, first of all. So I, I didn't know what was going on. You know, I tried to reach him. I didn't have a cell phone back then. I tried to reach him via pay phone, no answer. So I had to go back to work. I went back to work. And I'll try to make this fast. Um, I went back to work. And I think I finished out that day. And then I came home and tried to reach him again, no answer. Finally, I realized, OK, he's gone. We did finally talk. He didn't want to be in anymore. OK, fine. you don't want to be here. But I have these children and I have something that I have to do. So I didn't think about sewing. I actually, I had a job. I was working for a cable company. I didn't know I could sew because that's one thing that you're taught as a little black girl. You're taught how to use a sewing needle. So, or maybe a little white girl, whoever. I know for me, I was taught how to sew as a little girl. But um, one of my friends, Kathy, she said to me, Linda, why don't you make us? Because I called her to tell her Mike had left. Like, what do we do? Well, you know, what am I going to do? I got to get rent. And I only had like three weeks. So she said, well, why don't you make us something to wear and we'll pay you and <laughs> make you something to wear? that You can go to the store and get something to wear. I'm not going to make <laughs> clothes, like, make you something. So anyway, I did it. I went, I had about 20 I think I had like $28. I kind of remember that number. And I went to this little cheap little fabric store and I bought denim. So I bought the denim home and I cut it up and I used rocks and I messed it all up and bleached it. And I made five dress jumpers. And um, they came over that Saturday and they bought them, they each paid $25 for each piece. And I made that 125 and of that 125, I took 25 out and I went back and bought more. I thought, let me go buy more fabric. And I took $5. And I bought five rows of pearls, these little cheap dollar pearls. And I said to them, if they, if I do this again next week, could y'all come back and bring people? So they was like, "Yes." Yeah. So they came back and I gave them each a row of pearls. And that $20 that I had made, I took that and went back, got more cheap fabric. And it, it was an off price store. So it wasn't cheap. It was just like a dollar a yard and what have you. So I made more clothes and I bought... I took money from the other money that I first saved and I bought Welch's grape juice, the white one and the white grapes because, you know, I had to make my event look cute in my living room. And I started calling it that day, wine and cheese fashion fairs. And I'm like, oh, wow, I could, I could really make my rent doing this, but I didn't think past. I only thought I'm doing this in the meantime, because maybe he'll be back. So, but then I ended up here. You
0: know, Arlinda, the thing about you that gets me is that you were in a job that doesn't sound like it was really very creative, but all of this. Yeah, I was a receptionist. You were a receptionist. Yeah. Uh, uh, how did did you know you had this creativity in you that you could literally make something
4: beautiful out of almost nothing? You know, when I never thought about it, I just became. Even at at um, when I worked at the company. Sometimes I'd be sitting there making sketches, but believe it or not, the sketches were of bugs and trees and limbs and I write poetry. So I, that's what my, my, I would have to say my creativity was more in poetry or writing. So, no, I never thought about it in the way of clothing, you know, make take this fabric and make clothes for people to wear. That just happened. I uh, happened to find out that that would pay some bills. So I continued to do that.
1: Folks we're talking with Arlinda uh, McIntosh, who is, is just a tremendous success story. Uh, she shared with us what, what really uh, what was a business model, a business plan and a marketing plan early on. Uh, and now, you know, some of the biggest names in entertainment wear her designs. But you know, we're, we're interested, Arlinda, also, in what prompted you to turn the camera on yourself. When did you decide, and were you surprised by the fact that when you began modeling your own clothes, you became an Instagram sensation?
4: Well, I used to, if you look down my further down my Instagram page, you'll see a lot of models, tall, skinny, because that's what we were taught that you're supposed to use. And the time would come when it's middle of the night and, I'm, and I would come up with a design and I want to photograph it on somebody, but either I didn't have the money or I couldn't find a person because you can't keep using people, you got to pay people. So I couldn't find a person. So I would be out shopping and I might see a woman who, is older, or a woman who is not a skinny woman. Actually, she may be a fat woman. And I might say, oh, oh, my God, I would love to photograph you. Oh, my God, I'm too fat. Or, oh, my God, you know, I have wrinkles. Or if I find one woman, I'll say, oh, I would love to do a photo shoot with you for my garments." Oh, no, I'm too fat. Or I'm too... It's always I'm too something <laughs> when they're older. So they would always say, but I have a young daughter, and she's tall, and she's slim. And I'm like, but... I don't want her. I want you. So after a while, you get tired. So one day, I got up and I was like, "Let me try this." I was in, I was uncomfortable, and I was the one shooting it. So I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, people are gonna think. Look at this lady here. You know, whatever." But you have to do what you have to do. So I took the photos, I posted them, and it was like, "Wow, look how many people like this photo! Wow, it's crazy." So. I just continued and I became, it became fun to me. You know, I can tell my story better than anyone. So does that mean that I don't want to photograph other people? Absolutely not.
2: Arlinda let's start to to wrap this up. You you're also fascinating because here you are you're in your 60s. I hope you don't mind me saying that cuz you know we're really proud of of age oh, and and right. the experience that comes with it. But you've excelled in in areas that are traditionally thought to be for young people. Right. You know fashion and social media, Instagram sensation. So so what can you tell us? What what's the message? What's the takeaway? What can we learn from your story about moving forward about empowerment?
4: Well, if about you don't think about limits you know you don't think about failure like i was never taught failure you know i i watched my mom i watched them do what they did with little which i know now was little and and nothing um so i learned to accept what is right here and what is is what is is it's very simple so if you don't tell yourself i can't or if you don't set boundaries that you don't even know what could be around that corner. If you don't do that, you can become, I'm not trying to be, you know, I, I don't, one thing I don't like is when people say to me, and you may have, well, you, if you didn't hear it, you'll see it. When people say, Oh, I love the way that looks on you. It makes you look so young. Why, why do I have to look young? Why, do, why can't I just look here? So I think a lot of it is just acceptance, accept who you are, where you are and what you can do and do not accept failure. Failure comes to the left of me and to the right of me and and uh, everything is always around you that's negative. But I always look, I give them the side eye and say, not today, I don't have time. I gotta, yeah, I I gotta finish. finish, I can't have company today. So, and I laugh about a lot of things. You know, I'm gonna say this and you guys will probably figure, okay, this lady's officially kook. But, so I have a denture. And I broke it yesterday. <laughs> I, have go, I have to go and see these people. Oh my God. I don't care. Because you know what? Everybody has something. And we've been taught to be embarrassed by things that are so stupid. If you live long enough, you're gonna experience some something.
1: Wow. Just
0: gonna
4: laugh through it and keep
0: going. Thank you for giving us the courage to be who we are, to wear bright colors, to what we were saying last week, Mark, to fly our freak flag. I mean, what you're doing is incredible to give us the bravery. I love what you were doing there, layers and tying shirts, skirts around you. Uh, Who knew we could do that when you weren't
4: 20 years old? You can make that happen.
1: That was the talented and inspiring Arlinda McIntosh from our Growing Boulder What's Next program, which is live every Friday on Facebook. You know, Bill, it's so inspiring to have the opportunity to meet people like Arlinda. Uh, I love the fact that she said she never really set out to achieve the success that she has. She did it just to pay the rent, to try to find enough money to survive, but her vision was unique, and what she created appealed to every age. And then when she became her own model thinking out of the box women could see themselves in her and that's when everything started to click. She is just an
2: incredible story from top to bottom isn't she and, and Mark here's one of the most important points I think for everybody listening to understand this isn't a one-off I mean it sounds like it but it's not as unusual as you might think it is never too late to start a business and get this a study out of MIT found that later is actually better. This study showed that a 60-year-old starting a business is three times more likely to be successful than a 30-year-old. And Mark, they say the reason is experience makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah, it's great to hear um, and very encouraging for people who still think that they might want to start a business and and it's absolutely true but we're not hearing about these things as much as we should we're just not getting that message so here it is age is not an obstacle it's an asset if you have ideas if you have dreams if you've thought about doing things only to shrug them off because you think you might be too old well folks step back and think again think about our linda mcintosh think about that study that bill mentioned not only is it possible there actually may never be a better time than right now for you to make your dream a reality.
2: Up next, the secret behind getting all the exercise you need without ever even realizing it. This is Growing Boulder.
0: Support for Growing Boulder provided by
2: the Alliance for Lifetime Income. Protected income from an annuity can help cover essential expenses in retirement, giving you the freedom to live the life you want. The right financial professional can show you how. Learn more at protectedincome.org.
0: And by...
2: The Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging more at yourhealthandwellbeing.org Are you doing as much seeing as many people in contact with those you care about as much as you should be? If you said no, you're far from alone. In a survey of people over 65, one of the most common issues we all face is loneliness. It's not just a problem for your mental state. Loneliness can affect your health in a very serious way. The National Center for Biotechnology found that older adults who are lonely experience a decline in their mental sharpness and physical well-being. Ever feel like you're being left out of a social situation, cut off from family, forgotten about by friends? Well, these feelings actually lead to an increase in inflammation in your body and the hormones that cause stress. You know what that does? It can increase your risk of heart disease, arthritis, diabetes, and even dementia. The problem is, what are you supposed to do about it? Reach out more? Push yourself on people? Loneliness is not easy to remedy. It turns out that some of the most effective ways to bring people back together come from the use of technology. And the easiest way is texting. It's a great way to break the ice, to gently let people know you're thinking of them, that you miss them, and that you'd love to catch up when they get a chance. You should get some response, and you can go from there to a phone call or even a video call. Video adds a lot. Use your smartphone or tablet. All it takes are free apps like FaceTime, Skype, and Google Hangouts to connect. Grandkids can show you their rooms and their latest artwork. Your kids can ask advice on whatever needs to be fixed. It's an easy, unobtrusive way to ease back into being part of each other's lives. Take the plunge into social media. Maybe your grandkids will help you start your own Facebook and Instagram page so you can follow each other. You'll be surprised by how many old high school and college friends you'll be able to catch up with if you choose to. You can connect with new people, too. Look for groups to join on Facebook. There's something for just about every topic, and that includes health-related issues, too. Also, you can check out all the possibilities and subjects that interest you on meetup.com. The point is, don't let distance, whether it's geographical or personal, keep you from having the relationships you need. Take advantage of technology. You'll be glad you did. And if you're struggling with loneliness, by all means, reach out for help. More information at growingbolder.com slash medicare.
1: How about we start with just a quick question to make a point, if we can, and this is for all you listeners out there. How many of you feel like you get enough exercise? Probably not many. Uh, and it is so important for so many reasons that if you answered that you don't, you've got a lot of company out there. According to the Centers for Disease Control, 80 percent of people in this country don't engage in the recommended amount of exercise that's needed to stay healthy. 80 like percent is yeah.
2: huge. That means hardly any of us are getting enough activity and exercise. 20
1: percent would be getting is, it.
2: How did you do the math that yeah, quick? You know, you I were, don't know. You just f- came to me. Thank you for that, though, because really it's it is stunning and it's so important So interesting to look at why more of us don't do it. And one of the most common reasons given is that most of us don't want to go to a gym. But here's the thing. Exercise doesn't just happen in a gym. What you choose to do doesn't have to feel like a workout to be exercised. In fact, it's completely the opposite. If you do the things you like, you're more likely to do them more often and get more benefits from them. And here's a great example of what we're talking about. Let's listen in on some women right now who range from their 70s into their mid-90s who have found the secret to staying in shape is on the tennis court.
5: I'm Jean Carolyn, and I'm 96. And I love to play tennis.
2: Yes. Hasn't anybody told you 96 is too old to play tennis?
5: Well, it's too old. (laughs) (laughs) But not that. (laughs) I swim a lot. I do water aerobics. I uh, play a lot of bridge.
2: Did you ever expect that life at 96 would be like this?
5: No, I didn't. I thought I'd be long gone. (laughs) First one in, please. Hi, I'm uh, Harriet Freeman. Uh, I'm 90 years old. It's something that I started when I was in my 40s, and uh, I liked it, and it made me feel good because I was using my body. And so I continued it, and of course, now it's become very important in my life. So, when are you going to wind down? I'm not. Mm-hmm if I have my web.
2: <laughs> Life in your 90s is good? Yes,
5: it's very good. Oh, I also have a boyfriend. <laughs> I have a friend who's exactly the same age as I am. We come from the same backgrounds. And she's sitting in a senior citizen home waiting to die. She's not doing anything. And I feel so bad for her. Hi, Louise Johnson, 71. I think it's really, really wonderful. I love to hear those things, and it gives me hope that I can continue into my 90s. Hi, I'm Jerry Weber. I'm 72. I'm Barbara Weber, no relation to Jerry, and I happened to turn 80 last month. It's a wonderful life. It really is. And uh, it's a wonderful part of our life to be out here when we can. Exactly,
0: exactly. Mm -hmm. Never sit home.
5: That's right. That's right. Get out, even if it's to walk at the mall. Right. Exactly. Hi, I'm Anna Sullivan, not 71. (laughs) (laughs) My doctor says that this is the best thing I can do for myself. It's better than any medication. It's better than anything else. The exercise, stretching, running, it's just good for you. Exercise keeps you going. I have a husband at home with Parkinson's, and that's been the thing that they talk about and emphasize with him is exercise. Do
2: you guys get that other people look at you and they say, I just don't think I could ever do that?
5: Yes, and that makes me happy. (laughs) Yeah, because we're still doing it. And I really do encourage other people to do it because they can Oh, do you know my grandchildren tell me I'm the fastest runner that they know? It's the truth. And we make her practice. <laughs> but you know, a generation or so ago, that never happened. It never no. happened. Oh, no. My grandmother sat at the kitchen table until she died in 90, at 92. I mean, what kind of joy could she have had out of life if she had just gotten involved in something that her kids were involved in? <laughs> they think... Oh, you're crazy to get out there in that heat and that sort of thing and so and get it get up that early in the yes. morning i mean who would want to do that yes. we would yes, yes. We would. <laughs> yes definitely
2: yes. how important are the rest of these ladies to you
5: very important very important i i find uh, without them i'd be friendless <laughs> I have met so many people through tennis that it's made my life so much richer. I play six days a week oh, no. and I, I make sure that each day is going to be filled and fun. Right now is the best time of my life. We're getting our eighth great grandchild this November wow. and life is perfect. Keep moving. Keep doing stuff. And keep you friends. And life is good at 91? It's great. It's great. I I enjoy life.
2: And that, folks, is the not-so-hidden secret. You hear she enjoys life. Look, if you're making yourself do something, you know it's just not going to happen in the long run. You're not going to do it. Just think back to all those diets you tried and didn't work. Look. Exercise doesn't have to be something you force yourself to do. Be active, but find something you like. Do it often, and you'll get all the exercise you need without even knowing
1: it. And, and you know, Bill, this even works during a pandemic. You don't have to be around a lot of people. You don't have to belong to a gym. You can still swing a racket at home or walk in your neighborhood or ride your bike. You can learn new dance steps in the living room. I've actually done that. The point is uh, the choices are as vast as your imagination. So remember, just keep moving, keep learning, and keep your spirits up, and you will be surprised at how much better you feel physically and mentally in no time at all.
2: Up next, what's on Mark's mind today? Stay right where you are to find out because it's going to be a good one. This is Growing Boulder.
0: Support for Growing Boulder provided by
2: Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. When it comes to financial planning for retirement, some people say, hey, I can handle my own finances. Most of us hate spending money on things we think we can do ourselves. But do most of us fly our own planes or fix our own computers? No, we use professionals because they have more education, experience, and they're experts at their craft. Similarly, think of a financial professional as a highly trained guide for retirement. And just like most of us wouldn't wander into the wilderness without a guide, it doesn't make sense to navigate the challenging retirement planning landscape alone, especially with the way the markets are these days. Financial professionals spend years learning their trade and are experienced in dealing with all the different scenarios that come up when planning for retirement. Most have degrees in finance, accounting, economics, business, math, or law, and are certified or licensed in things like investing, taxes, estate planning, and risk management. Among other things, the right financial professional can help you figure out your goals and aspirations for retirement. They can help you develop a holistic and comprehensive retirement strategy and plan that includes making sure you'll have enough income to last throughout retirement. And based on your customized plan, they can help you invest your money in the right places and at the right time. Keep a constant watch for changes in the markets and help make adjustments if necessary to stay on track with your plan. And most importantly, the right financial professional can help you make the transition from saving and accumulating money for retirement to actually planning for income and spending in retirement. This is a critical point that people often miss, especially if you want to make sure you never run out of money. In a retirement that can last 20, 30, or more years, The Alliance for Lifetime Income is a nonprofit educational organization that believes no one should have to face the prospect of running out of money. This amazing organization has a whole library of easy-to-understand information, tools and guides, and stories of real-life Americans who found ways to protect their retirement and have the freedom to live a bold life. Go to protectedincome.org to get recommendations on where and how to best find the right financial profession. For you.
1: My guards stood hard when abstract threats to no Welcome back. I'm Mark Middleton, and, and here's what's on my mind today, visualization and how we should all be doing it. It's on my mind because, well, here's a little inside information for you guys. Growing Boulder is now developing a positive aging visualization program that's designed to help adults of all ages reprogram our belief system. And, you know, this is really important and very powerful stuff because, as you've heard Bill and I say many times, our belief system is largely responsible for how we age. In fact, the number one determinant of how we age isn't genetics, it's lifestyle, and the number one lifestyle determinant of how we age isn't diet or exercise, as important as both of those are, it's actually our belief system about aging, what the mind believes the body embraces. You've heard us say that. Uh, so we can't allow the media, the healthcare system, pharmaceutical companies, our friends or even ourselves uh, to to. Inform the way we age. We've got to do that ourselves. We have to imagine more. We have to visualize ourselves as growing stronger, not weaker as we age. Visualize ourselves becoming more active, more social, more flexible, more resilient. Visualize ourselves saying yes to opportunity because if our mind believes it, so will our body. Uh, Little history lesson here, folks. Visualization gained popularity back in the 1970s when the Soviets used it to prepare their athletes. And today... Uh, you would be hard-pressed to find a single world-class athlete that doesn't practice some form of visualization. Tiger Woods does it every time he picks up a club before he takes a swing. Michael Phelps imagined every race in great detail before he jumped up on the starting blocks. There have been many, many studies that document the power of visualization. I'm going to share with you just one. This is my favorite one. It was done by Dr. Judd. Uh, Biaciato, Dr. Judd, they called him. He split his subjects into three different groups and he tested each group on how many free throws they could make. For the next 30 days, people in the first group practiced free throws for an hour every single day. People in the second group never took a free throw, but they imagined shooting free throws in detail. And the third group that was a control group. They didn't do anything at all that was related to basketball or visualization. After 30 days, all three groups were tested again. The first group improved by 24% after practicing free throws every single day. The second group improved by 23% without ever having touched a basketball but visualizing success. And as expected, the third group didn't improve at all. One more. Uh, Guang Yu, an exercise physiologist from the Cleveland Clinic, compared results of those who did physical exercises to the re- results of those who carried out virtual workouts in their heads. In the physical exercise group, finger strength increased by 53%, the group that only did mental contractions no exercise at all, increased their strength by 35%. So, you know, this is the power of visualization. Uh, It's absolutely true. If you don't practice visualization, you ought to give it a try. Visualization very simply is imagining in great detail how you will successfully complete a task. It's a shortcut to success because here's the deal. The brain is incapable of telling the difference between real success and vividly imagined success. It's a technique that you should be using. So one area it's never used, Bill, before we're doing it right now is is positive aging and and this is what the growing boulder mental fitness program is going to be about we're going to help everybody visualize a new way of aging and based upon the power of visualization based upon the program we're creating we actually think that we can help people change the way they age
2: you know at the beginning of the program mark we kind of made a bold claim and almost laughed at it ourselves saying this is one of the most interesting hours on the radio but it is because in its way this is the key to begin visualization. When guest after guest comes on this program and an ordinary people is living a person is living an extraordinary life, this changes what we've been hearing our entire existence. People that are living large, that are starting businesses, that are doing athletic things they never dreamed of doing at this age, when we hear that they're doing it, we start to wonder, can we do it, too? And more times than not, the
1: answer is yes. There you go, putting a bow on it. Every every guest we had today, Bill, uh, in some fashion or another, uh, exercised visualization. Our Linda McIntosh, she visualized something that people thought she couldn't do. Uh, so you can't do it unless you think about it. And, and, and the coolest thing of all is that if you think about it in great detail, if you imagine all of the subtleties, the taste, the sounds, the feeling, everything about it, your mind cannot tell the difference between the visualization and had you actually done it successfully on your own. So uh, start thinking about how you want to age. And and if you don't like what you're thinking about, be concerned, because what the mind believes, the body embraces. That's incredible. I'm glad you've got big thoughts like that on your mind.
2: All right, folks, did you know Growing Boulder's also a television show on public TV stations across the country? That it's a quarterly 100-page magazine? That Growing Boulder has a must-see page on Facebook? That it's a life-changing book written by Mark? Learn more about it. Find more inspiring interviews, videos, memes, merchandise, and motivation
1: at growingbolder.com. You know, folks, there is another way. You don't have to just get older. You can start growing bolder, and we're here to help. We'll see you next time.